Welcome to the Sports On Point podcast for August 16th, 2010. I am your host, Matthew, the pigskin prognosticator Smith. And I'm John. Get your popcorn ready. Zavarelli. And my name is Bob. Wish I had a tight end, Severns. Doing the show a little differently this time. I am on location in sunny Charlotte, North Carolina. Without any further ado, we're going to get started off with this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each of the day's topics, starting off with Monday. Mike Gillich, the owner of the Detroit Tigers and Detroit Red Wings, wants to buy the Detroit Pistons. What do you think, John? I think as long as he doesn't run the team like the Tigers and he runs it more like the Red Wings, they might be all right if he buys them. Yeah, he's actually kind of interested in moving the team into an arena in downtown Detroit. I don't know if that's good or bad because I've been to downtown Detroit and let me tell you, Auburn Hills is a much nicer place. Moving along to Tuesday, Shaquille O'Neal says he came to the Boston Celtics because he wants another NBA title. Matt? Isn't that the only reason Shaquille O'Neal does anything? Isn't that why he was in Cleveland last year? I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. Boston's a little too old and washed up to compete in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, with the Heat, the Magic, and the the Cavs out there. Oh, I I mean, not the Cavs, but the Heat and the Magic out there, I don't think he's going to win a title with the Celtics. And moving along to Wednesday, Mets Francisco Rodriguez arrested after allegedly punching father-in-law charged with assault. John? Well, the Mets season's going down the drain, and now we got their their saver, that's uh, their closer, that's punching people in the faces. And, and what the heck is he thinking? Pretty slammed his head into a wall. I guess I'm lucky that I have a father-in-law I get along with. But uh, geez, I mean, he, he must have had a rough night considering he didn't even pitch, but he was cursing out uh, reporters, beating up his father-in-law. <laughs> yeah, what's this guy make? And on Thursday, Miami Dolphins' Brandon Marshall says he'll play in the NBA if there's an NFL lockout in 2011. Yeah, yeah, I think he might be overvaluing his athletic ability. It's not like you can just walk into an NBA arena and just say, sign me up, put me on the team coach, I'm ready to play. Um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Uh, This is not going to happen at all. I I think he's just talking, kind of like T.O. and Ocho Cinco do. He's just talking. Yeah, and you know what? Plus, there's a good chance the NBA will be locked out in 2011 as well. We We might be sportless that fall. Yeah, the big three, all locked out. And on to Friday, USC Trojans. Athletic Director Pat Hayden says Reggie Bush apologized, expressed regret. John? Reggie Bush is a moron. This guy, this AD's a moron. He knew what was going on. I don't even think Reggie Bush needs to apologize. He should just go on his own way, and they should just stop talking about it and get on with, with basically the program's life and Reggie's life. I think it's kind of interesting that he came out and said this because I, I, every public statement I've seen from Reggie Bush, he sounded very contrite and indicated that you know he didn't do anything wrong. So I'd like to see Reggie Bush make a statement uh, to the public that acknowledges that he did what he supposedly did and that he regrets it. Telling the AD doesn't really do it for me. On Saturday, 49ers running back Glenn Coffey abruptly retires in his second season. Matt? I guess he is looking at possibly getting into a career in the ministry, giving up uh, a lot of money to go take a job where uh, he lives off of tithe donations. So I applaud him for his uh, dedication to his faith. 
I'm not sure the 49ers fans would be as forgiving, though. I don't know why he's given up on a multi-million dollar career. I mean, I can understand he's very faithful, but I mean, you play a few years and then you can you can go on to the ministry after your career and you can have quite a bit of money to put in and you could build your own church and be the minister of it. That's what Reggie White did. And rounding out the week on Sunday, Major League Baseball umpires missed 20% of close calls, according to Outside the Line survey. Well, if you look at it, most of them are all bang-bang plays anyways. I mean, I could see missing that many calls. It's human human error. I mean, you're going to see that have see that and have that happen. What the stat doesn't tell you there is how many of those calls actually matter in, in the outcome or course of a game at all. I'd, I'd be willing to bet probably about 5% out of that 20% at most. But still, you, you see those numbers, and it's just it's just more and more the cases building and building and building. we got to get instant replay in Major League Baseball. We have to have it. And now on to our To The Point section. This section is where we have an open format chat that will hit the main topics in sports this week. Continuing where we left off last week, we will continue with the divisions in the NFL, and our guys will let us know how they think each team will fare in the rankings. Okay, so we're going to do the South Divisions, AFC and NFC, this week, John. Uh, We'll start off with the AFC South. Um, Probably the most predictable division over the past, I don't know, seven or eight years uh, of all the divisions, um, with the exception of maybe the AFC East. How do you see see it shaking out? Are we looking at another Indy-dominated season for the AFC South? Well, I think Indiana is going to win the division, but I don't think it'd be a, it's going to be as as far as dominating as as has been in the past. I think Tennessee is going to be good be good this year. I think Vince, Vince Young's coming into his own, and they got Chris John, they got Chris Johnson, and the Texans have turned the corner. I think last year they were right on the verge. They got a, a win late in the season. I think they're they're right on the verge of winning. I think uh, Jacksonville brings up the the butt of this division i don't know that um obviously obviously indy is indy um there's not a whole lot uh, you get as a surprise out of them uh i could see him having a 12 and 4 season i don't see him making that flirt with uh undefeated season again this year they've got a lot of weapons at wide receiver pierre garçon came on last year anthony gonzalez back from injury defense should improve with bob sanders being back um but Jeff Saturday, I think, is uh, is going to be missing some time at the beginning of the season. That hurts him a lot. He's really anchored the offensive line. I don't know if Tennessee has what it takes to run with him. I know that uh, I know that they came on strong the second half of the season. The year before was just they were just untouchable. I just I look at the league and I see a league that's dominated by quarterback and wide receiver play, and I don't see how Tennessee competes on a weekly basis with all the other teams that can move the ball as well as they can. I know Tennessee's defense is stout, but can you really win a bunch of games with Vince Young as your quarterback and a bunch of no-name receivers? I think you can. I mean, in the past you've you've seen it. You had, uh, I mean, going back to the early decade, you had Baltimore win a title on defense in the running game. You had Chicago basically make it to the championship. Yes, they did lose to a team with a quarterback and a wide receiver. But but you they you came have, out of a weak NFC. They came out of a pretty weak NFC that year. Wouldn't you agree? It may have been weak, but I mean they they played very well. I mean you, you got to have a, de- a stellar defense in order to win, unless you're playing in another team that two teams that don't have very good defenses defenses of as as it is. Like last year's Super Bowl. I mean you had. New Orleans Super Bowl last year that they had a 
decent turnover. They got turnovers, but their yard yardage wasn't good. Yeah. I think with a stellar yeah, their defense, defense was all about turning the ball over. I think with a stellar defense and a, a good running game, you can you can win a Super Bowl. I don't think you need. I mean, you obviously need a quarterback, at least a quarterback that can manage the game. But I don't. I don't think you need a super prolific quarterback. Yeah, maybe maybe that Chicago in a weak NFC isn't a fair argument because uh, you know Chicago did play in a weak NFC that season. I think for sure their defense was incredible. They scored a lot off turnovers and special teams, but they didn't even have a running game. Their offense was was as anemic as it gets. They had a couple of games in the beginning of the season where Rex Grossman looked like he was a quarterback of the future, and then he came back down to earth, and the offense stunk the whole rest of the year. I, I believe their defense probably amassed as many points as their offense. Defense and special teams combined uh, amassed as many points as their offense if you look at the last eight or nine weeks of that season. I think if you look back and you want to make the comparison with the you know Baltimore Ravens, I don't know that the league was as quarterback-driven then. I mean, if you look at that time frame, who were the big quarterbacks in the NFL? You had a very young Peyton Manning. Steve McNair was co-MVP, I believe, that year. It, it just wasn't the same league, I think, as it is now. I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock on the defense that Tennessee has. I think they're very good. I don't think they turn the ball over as well as some of those defenses that we're talking about, the, you know, the Ravens and the Chicago Bears. They've got, a, they've definitely got a stout defense, but their their defense is a three and out defense, not a not a turn the ball over defense. And I just don't know that combined with a running game is enough to win you more than. 10 games but I'm actually I'm actually kind of pegging them I think uh, I think Tennessee is a disappointing team this year I think they're seven and nine well go going back on that I I think they're going to make the playoffs I think they'll go 10 and six um, but going back on that I mean Pittsburgh made the Super Bowl a few years the first time they won it and what Roethlisberger had like a 30 quarterback rating for the whole Super Bowl the Super Bowl game itself so I mean that particular game they Pretty yeah. much wanted on, and Seattle Hasselback. He, I mean, he's he's a decent well, Jim, passer, but he's not. Bill Bill Levy admitted he kicked the calls. That was the referees who won that game, not Pittsburgh. John, don't you read the sports page? A referee blowing <laughs> a few calls here and there doesn't win a Super Bowl, though. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, and you know how the players react to it can have an effect on it, but uh, the calls themselves don't. Okay, so other teams in the division. I think Jacksonville's terrible this year. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. I don't. They basically every couple years they'll be good, and then it looks like they're gonna come out and just have a nice few seasons, have a nice team, and then they just go downhill. I don't know. Like I don't know of a single position on the entire field where they improved over last year, and they weren't that good last year. No, they were actually terrible last year. The year before, their their defense was stellar, and then last year they were bad. I think. I think when you're talking about. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you're talking about eight games into the season. They determine it's a lost season. They put Jimmy Clausen in as their starting quarterback. Oh, wait, no. That's Carolina. <laughs> they don't have Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> now, I think the AFC South, personally, I think the AFC South is a uh, two-playoff division, two-playoff team division. I think Houston gets in there. I think they finally uh, break the Houston curse and get into the playoffs for the first time. I think they might even steal one from Indy this year. The uh, the combo of Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson, I think, might be the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in the NFL. Obviously, you could argue several different combos for that top spot, but uh, they're definitely at least near the top. Um, I think their defense is going to be serviceable, not great, 
but I think they're going to score enough points to win several, uh, you know, to win a bunch of games. And I think, uh, like I said, I think Jacksonville and Tennessee are going to be down a little bit this year. Uh, I got them nine and seven, ten and six, making the playoffs, sneaking in, uh, sneaking into a wild card spot. Yeah, it's going to be. I think the AFC is going to be tough to get a bid this year because I mean you got the North is stacked and the AFC East has a couple of really good teams there. So I think ten wins can get a team in there, but I don't know if nine will get a team in the playoffs this year. I don't think nine does it anymore with the this league. Yeah, the, no, you're right. You're right. They got to win ten. I mean, I, I mean, think even, they can do uh, it. Even if you look a couple years ago, if you look a couple years ago, even New England won how many? Eleven or twelve and didn't get in. No, it was they a, won eleven was and five. Eleven and five and didn't even didn't even get in. Especially with the AFC, the AFC is pretty stacked, and they have a lot of good teams in there. Um, so I mean, ten wins. I think I think they can do it. I can think they. I think they can win ten or eleven because they've been improving every year. I mean, I think they were right on the edge last year, and I think. If they just win a few more of those close games, they're good to go. Absolutely. The only the only real question mark I see in Houston is who's going to be their uh, who's going to be their running back. I think there's uh, already been some injuries that have happened in the post in the preseason form. Uh, I believe Adrian Foster went out. Steve Slayton is not really a three down running back. Um, I love so we'll have Steve to see Slayton. those backups step up. Yeah, but is he is he he's, is he is he a between the tackle runner for three downs in a in a four down series? I don't I don't see him as that. I see him as I see him as a change up back. And at this point in time, they don't have anybody to change him up against. Yeah, he's like a Darren Sproles. Yeah, a little bit bigger, but yeah, similar style. Yeah, they're gonna have to they'll have to shore up that run attack. But I mean, I, with their defense improving, well. Cushing being out for four games, that's gonna that might hurt them. I mean, they're gonna need to get get some wins early and start off quick. You know, I'm I'm hearing that some of the kids that are uh, sitting behind them are, are showing up pretty good in camp and, and doing okay in the preseason. Uh, I don't know that Cushing is enough of a game changer that that's gonna have a huge impact on him. He's a he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but if somebody can step in and do a you know decent job, I think uh, I think they maintain for the first four weeks. So how you got it shaken out? You've got Indy winning the division. Yep. And Tennessee and Tennessee and Houston close behind. Yeah, I have them both winning ten games. I mean, I don't have them when I think they're both potential ten win teams. Um, depends on who gets that tiebreaker. And then I have Jacksonville at like four and twelve, if that. That's exactly where I have them. Is four and twelve. I'm I'm floating more around the ten wins for Houston, and I I think Tennessee's I think Tennessee's down a bit this year. I got him at seven and nine. You Vince Young hater. What's he done? He's done a lot in college. <laughs> What's he done in the pros? Led him to the playoffs his first year. And had a down had a down second year, then came was, back and led him to six and two. The first year. He man, he, he, he's a game manager. He lets the defense do oh. the thing, do its thing, and then he just manages the game. Okay. You don't have to have. We just said that. I I told you we didn't have to have. You don't have to have prolific quarterbacks. You just have to have guys that win. And Vince Young wins. You look at his starting his record. He's a winning quarterback. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the NFC South. All right. For the for the South, I mean, this one's a a little bit easier to pick than uh, the other division. I think the other division was a little bit too tough. I have Saints winning it again. I have Atlanta just like a win or two behind. Carolina, 
I'd say nine and seven maybe, and then I have Tampa Bay bringing up the the rear. Uh, I don't see them four or five wins if that. Yeah, I, Tampa Bay is definitely the uh, bottom of the barrel team. I don't see Carolina being a seven. I don't see Carolina being a seven win team. They got a decent one two punch at running back. Um, I think their defense took a step back uh, with the loss of Julius Peppers. Um, I don't think Matt Moore is a quarterback of the future. I think uh, Jim Jimmy Clausen is going to be taking snaps before, before the season's out. I just I don't, I don't have a good feeling about uh, don't have a good feeling about Carolina. Atlanta, on the other hand, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. New Orleans New Orleans definitely wins the division. Um, I don't think they're as dominant as they were last year because first of all they got the giant bullseye on their jersey. Um, I. I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. They they spent uh, they spent a lot of their defensive effort last year uh, creating turnovers, and I just don't know how long you can live and die off of turnovers as a defensive uh, performance. They're going to have to outscore teams, is what it boils down to, and they did a really good job of it in years past. But I just think in the in the in the league, you, you got to have at least a serviceable defense, and I'm not sure that we'll see. They'll have a serviceable team. They'll have, they'll have a serviceable defense. It'll be good, but not great. Uh, I, I see him winning 12, 13 games, but I think once the playoffs come, I think they're I think they're out early this year. I think it's going to be a, a big disappointment. To disagree with you on the the Panthers, they they're up and down every other year. I think it's their year to be up again. So I think they'll have a nine and seven series a season. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think once again the league's getting ahead of them now. I mean, there's a lot of good teams out there. I mean, you have with just six playoffs playoff spots and third or 12 total and like 30 teams i mean there's too many teams out there that are good nine and seven's not going to do it even though i mean it has in the past in the nfc it might win the division in the west in the west like we said but unfortunately that doesn't get, get you get you a wild card no no they they, they won't get into a wild card I, I don't even have them sniffing it i don't i, I i'm saying four and 12 i think they're a terrible team next year uh, I, I I know that they've been an up and down team, but I can't just look at a trend and say, I mean, this isn't this isn't the stock market. I can't I can't wage it on what's happened in the past. I just look at the team that's taken the field, and I don't see him winning more than four games. I think John Fox will have him. I think he's a good coach. I mean, he's been there for a while. He's a a good coach. I think he'll have have him at least compete, and I think they can get. I'd say between seven and nine wins. All right. Well, we uh, we talked about a little Atlanta a little bit. Turner stays healthy. They've got one of the best running backs in the league. He's got to stay healthy, if, though. Got to stay healthy. That's that's the tricky part. He's never done it for a whole season as the primary running back. Uh, Matt Ryan. I I kind of think he took a little bit of a step back last year from the year before, but I think uh, third year he's ready to you know step into that starting role with confidence. As opposed to as opposed to last year, where times where he just looked a little bit of shaky in the pocket and uh, some poor decisions, but I think he's a solid quarterback, and I think he makes good decisions throughout the throughout the season and, and leads them to uh, ten or eleven wins. Oh yeah, definitely. Maybe Matt, even twelve. Matt Ryan, I mean, he's a he's a good quarterback. He's coming into his own last year. I mean, they set it out to make sure they had a winning season, even though they they didn't make the playoffs and they could have packed it in. He got every on. Everybody on board, and that was a point for them to have a winning season. I think he's a he's a good leader, and I think he'll have a good season this year. All right, what I think we're going to need to do when we're uh, when we're done, when we get through all four of our divisions, let's take a look back and and we'll take a look at our playoff trees, and we'll get all the we we'll get all our playoff uh, 
teams posted on the website so that uh, anybody who wants to go back and check up on our uh, prediction skills at the end of the season can uh, can have a look at that. And, of course, whoever joins us in the Fantasy Football League will be on the air to uh, mock us in our bad picks and uh, celebrate us in our good picks. Uh, so I look, look forward to the season. It should be interesting. And now on to our closing argument. This is a section where our hosts will take their side of a particular argument for this week, and we are going to vote at the end to see who presented the best closing argument. But as in a court case, you cannot have a rebuttal or any sort of comment allowed, and you, the listener, will vote on who presented the best closing argument. All right, this week's closing argument, irresponsible journalism in sports. One of you guys thinks it's good for sports, and the other one thinks it's not. Let's see what you think, John. Well, in my opinion, I think it's good for sports. Yeah, the journalism and the wrong information, that's not good. It doesn't give credibility to the people who are reporting it. But I think it raises awareness. you got rumors going around everywhere now. I mean, for the LeBron James, he was going to this team. Then he was swaying toward this team and that team. I mean, I was hooked on the TV for... A month just every day I was like where's he where's he gonna go today so it raised my awareness that it got me hooked on it I wanted to hear what they were gonna say Brett Favre is another issue is he gonna come back is he he is he isn't I mean that I'm sick of it but now but I mean it's something to keep your interest Tiger Woods another thing uh, just people reporting on his many mistresses things like that so I mean I can I can agree that it's bad journalism. It looks bad on the people reporting it. But I think overall, with all the rumors that are swirling, people are going to take note of it. If you get a story that's changing every day, people are going to be like, it's, people are, yeah, they're going to be like, this isn't real. This isn't believable. This isn't what's going on. But they're going to be paying attention to the story to see what the real story is. So I think overall, it's good for sports because more people are paying attention now. I know, like I said, I pay attention to it, especially with all the rumors going around. And I think more of it is with the Twitter accounts. These Twitter accounts, there's somebody seeing something and you're reading more into it. And you shouldn't do that as a journalist, but people are doing that. And I think a lot of that, the social networking sites are how a lot of this stuff is getting uh, misconstrued. So I think it, it... definitely raises a uh, awareness in sports by all this going on and now on to matt what's your take on irresponsible sports journalism okay i think we've been living in a time period where we have an unprecedented level of access to athletes coaches teams i think we've dealt we've seen some very good journalism in the past 10 years where, where journalists have been able to dig out stories that we would have never heard about in the past but I think with that comes a price because people are too hungry to get that big story. And instead of taking the time, vetting their sources, and, and doing the research that needs to be done, it's easy to just say, you know, I've got this little bit of information that I got from a tweet, and I, and I can write a whole article based on it, and I can get people all across the country thinking it's fact. I, I, I think what that does is that kind of turns people off to the reporting process. If I am an educated sports fan, which I like to think that I am, I can go to any number of different websites and I can get rumor and I can get, you know, speculation. 
I want to be able to go to trusted news sources and know that, you know, if, if this blog is saying this and they've got this opinion interjected into the articles and, and, and all this other stuff, I can go to a, a respected news source such as, you know, ESPN.com, Sports Illustrated, someplace like that. And I can get information that is not clouded with mysterious sources. Um, and, and I know that there's been some some digging and background checking into the information i think what we've got now is we've got we've got an age where people just don't even care what's fact and don't even care what's fiction just if it's interesting or juicy let's post it let's run with it i just i just don't see how that helps anybody in any way shape or form except maybe the blogs because now um everyone's coming down to their level well this has been sports on point to vote for your winning closing argument send a direct tweet to our podcast at twitter.com slash sports on point And as always, send your suggestions on how we can improve the show to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can now call the show and leave a voice message. We'd love to hear from you at 646-39-POINT or 646-397-6468. Hey guys, check out the Fantasy Football League on NFL.com, the Sports on Point League. Tune in next week. We'll be covering the AFC and NFC North divisions. Catch you guys later. See you guys.